welcome to the podcast of Follow Baptist Church. Our vision and mission is to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. We hope and pray that you are blessed, challenged and inspired by this message. For more information on Follow Church, you can visit our website at www.followchurch.com.au. We're going to, um, we get to dig into the Word now. We're going to read from John 14, 1 to 10, um, before we have our brother Ray come up and share with us. If you have your Bible on your phone or with you, please turn with me to John chapter 14, 1 to 10. If you don't have a Bible on you, we've got some baskets down the, 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 the rows with, with Bibles in them. Grab one of those and read along. And if you don't actually own a Bible, you can take that one home with you. That's, um, that's yours to keep. So let's read John 14, 1 to 10. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. This is Jesus talking, by the way. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way. To the place where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus said, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen the fa- who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Fantastic. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Great to see you all here. Uh, Conscious of time. I'll try to finish before lunch. Some of you are shaking head. No, Ray, preach as long as you like. (laughs) Whatever the Lord has put on your heart, you just deliver it. Some of you are saying, please, Lord, let that not happen. If I go a little bit long, just blame Rob. Um, No. um, Let's pray and ask the Lord to help me really wrap this up neatly, succinctly, Uh, nothing uh, new today, uh, but it's powerful, uh, and I pray that wherever we're at, it's going to minister something to your heart. So let's ask the Lord to help me, um, that you wouldn't be distracted by my feebleness, that you would only hear from the Lord today, that he could have his way in your heart. Amen? Lord, help me communicate your truth. May our hearts be in awe of you. May our hearts be gripped by you and be glorified in all that takes place. Help me with, my, uh, with, with just my uh, thoughts, your truth. Let it be communicated smoothly, succinctly, and may our hearts be changed by it for your glory, for your namesake. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Um, John 14 is a text um, on the bulletin, I think it says, on preaching the way. That was last week's sermon. 
um, today's sermon is the truth. Um, so we're going to look at truth. And as we ponder the truth, we can't go past or beyond the fact that Jesus claims himself to be truth. And not just truth um, in a relative way, and it's good for you, it's personal, it's good for you to have a small, meek, mild Jesus, but truth claims that he makes here in this passage that cannot be ignored. And so it is my prayer, it is my hope that by the end of this time we have together, that if you're visiting with us and you're not a Christian, it is my prayer that as we open up this passage, this text, and we explore it a little, it is my prayer that you will be amazed by the claims of Jesus. And I pray that you would be so amazed by the claims of Jesus from this passage that you would seriously consider where you stand with him and as it relates to him. My second prayer today would be for the young men, the young women that attend follow or happen to be here today and you are what we perhaps could call second generation or third generation Christians. Or the way that you might like to put it is, I only come here because my parents make me. <laughs> it is my prayer that the truths from John 14, from our Lord Jesus, would grip your heart, young man, young lady. That you would today understand that God has no grandchildren that you are either his son, his daughter, or you are lost. That you are gripped with that truth today. My third hope, prayer today in this message, is that if you are a Christian and you are perplexed and struggled by your electricity bill, by your work situation by your employment situation, by uh, sickness uh, that plagues your body or your mind. It is my prayer that the truth found here in John 14 would, would, would lift your eyes and lift your heart in such a wonderful way that you would, would smile and you'd be able to truly rejoice and love the Lord today. It is also my prayer for us as Christians that not only would we'd be encouraged by the passage here, but that we would be deeply challenged to be brave, to be strong. That we would be Christians that don't simply have a weak, placid, wishbone faith, but we would be believers that actually have some background, uh, back, background, backbone. Because more than ever, we need some Christians, some brothers and sisters that will make bold claims and stands for the truth of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So let's look into it. The passage in John 14, encourage you to read all of uh, John's gospel, obviously, but in this passage, it's the last one of Jesus' I am statements. He teaches them throughout the Gospel of John. In John 6, 35, he said, I am the bread of life. In John 8, 12, he said, I am the light of the world. 
In John 10, 9, he said, I am the door. In John 10, 11, he said, I am the good shepherd. John eleven twenty five, 25, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. In John 15, he says, I am the true vine. And perhaps the most uh, confronting, uh, irritating, um, challenging I am statement of Jesus is found here where he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And, and just when you're, you know, catching your breath after those bold claims, he says, and no one can come or no one comes to the Father except through me. Radical, bold statements. But all of these I am statements ought to give us great encouragement. When he says, I am the bread of life. In other words, if you're living your life and there's dissatisfaction in your soul, there's an emptiness, there's a hunger that you have. If that's any person here today, good news. Jesus said, I am bread. I will fulfill, I will satisfy you. He said, I'm the light of the world. In other words, if you're awake today, if you're in church and you say, you know, I feel my life's in darkness. I feel that I cannot see clearly. I don't know where to turn. Good news for you today. Jesus is the light. Maybe you say, well, I feel vulnerable. I feel very alone. I feel like I don't know where to go. Good news. Jesus said, I am the door. You say, well, in my life, I have no direction at all. One day just tumbles into the next. I don't have a lot of direction. Good news. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. You say, well, for me, everything in my life just seems dead. My emotions, my marriage, my home, my life. Good news. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. You say, well, I feel cut off, isolated. Jesus said, I am the true vine. Hallelujah. What a great saviour. What a wonderful saviour. These are the I am statements of the Lord. That he says, this is who I am. I encourage all of us as Christians, let's get into the word and saturate our hearts, our souls with the great stuff that our Lord describes himself as. And what, what is awesome about these statements, if you read some of the Old Testament, specifically the, the, the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 3, these are self-descriptive statements. Strategically, he is alluding himself to the great I am of the Old Testament, God himself. When God comes to Moses, as Moses is looking at the superpower of the day, Egypt, and he says, Lord, if you want me to go forward, who do, you, who do I say I'm representing? Who do I say that is, is coming before the great Pharaoh? And the Lord said in Exodus 3, around verse 14, say to Pharaoh, I am has sent you. I am what? <laughs> What's next? I am that I am. And these I am statements that Jesus refers to, he's linking himself to a deity, to God. For them, it would have been confronting. For us, it should be 
encouraging. The great I am. Now, where is this taking place? This is at the upper room, the last meal that Jesus will have with his disciples before his crucifixion. It's his last opportunity to instruct them and encourage them before he's taken away. And Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where it is that you're going. And Jesus' response to Thomas, he says, you don't need to know the way because I am the way. He, he, he in essence, says, I am the, the personification of truth, of the life, of the way, it is me. What an incredible statement, church. Now, in our day and age, people would say that this such statements is, is an intolerant thing to say. You can't be so absolute and self-assured. Can I tell you, this is the Bible and it is rock solid. And so if therefore saying it is intolerant, then clearly Jesus was intolerant. Or perhaps he is simply the truth. Jesus answered the question of how a person can know the Father. As Philip says, how can we know the Father? He says, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. To know Jesus is to know God. To believe in Jesus is to believe in God. To receive Jesus is to receive God. To hate Jesus is to hate God. And to honour Jesus is to honour God. Perhaps the greatest question somebody could ask is this. It is, if God is real, how can I get to know him? And there's one answer, Jesus. So four reasons, very, very, very quickly, of why everyone should embrace Christianity's claims that Jesus is the only way to God. The first one is, this claim is an exclusive claim. In the ancient world, they would say things like, all roads lead to Rome. People's philosophy today will say, all religions are in essence the same. We're all going up the mountain. Muslims are going up one side, Christians are going up the other side, Buddhists are going up that side, Hindus are going up that side, all religions are going up the mountain Eventually, we'll all get to the top. The scenery, the scenery along the way is a little different. Things that you see and smell along the way are a little bit different, but eventually, all faiths will lead to the same place. We'll all get to the top of the mountain. As long as you're sincere, that's the main thing. Can I tell you today, Christianity states very clearly that all Jews, all Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, Cult members, New Ages, moral people, every person without Jesus Christ is actually on a dead-end road. It's a dead end. If Jesus had said, I am a way, a truth, a life, and you may come to the Father through me, that would be totally acceptable. But he didn't say that. He said, I am the way, 
not simply a way. He said, I am the truth, not simply one truth. He said, I am that life, not simply a life. And then he says very clearly, no one, not just a few, you might slip in the side door, you might get a pizza voucher. No, no one comes to the Father except through me. Very exclusive, very straight. He's the perfect king, priest and king. We need no other prophet to reveal the word of God. We need no other king to tell us how to live. We need no other priest to mediate before God. We have the perfect one, prophet, priest and king in Jesus. See, every other religion point away from themselves where Jesus points to himself. All other major religions will say uh, there is a prophet who says this is the way to God. Jesus is the only founder of a major religion that says I am God and I've come to find you. It's exclusive. The rest of the New Testament agrees with these claims. Acts 4.12, and there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. 1 Timothy 2.5, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, that man, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's an exclusive claim. Point number two, it is a credible claim. If I came to you today and said, good morning, my name is Donald Trump, you wouldn't believe me. I do not look like Donald Trump. I do not sound like Donald Trump. If I had the time, I would take the time to pretend to be. It would be amusing. You would all laugh. I'm not doing that because we don't have time. You say, thank God. Uh, but if Donald Trump came, you would know that he's here. There would be credible signs to say that Donald Trump's here. There would be the entourage. There would be the security personnel. There would be the photographers. You would know Donald Trump. There would be credibility behind those claims that he's in the house. Similarly with Jesus. If you read the scriptures, if you look at history, there are credible claims that he is exclusively God. In his book, The Reason to Believe, R.C. Sproul, Sproul, who passed away just in December, a great Presbyterian minister, one for the Presbys. He writes about a humiliating experience that he experienced as a freshman in college. His English professor was hostile towards Christianity. In the middle of the class, she looked at him and said, Mr. Sproul, Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God? He gasped as he felt the weight of that question and knew that every eye in the room would be on him. His mind raced to betray Christ and finally he mumbled, Yes, I do. The teacher was furious. She said, That is the most bigoted, narrow-minded and arrogant statement that I have ever heard. You must be a supreme egotist to believe that your way of religion is the only way. Sproul quietly slouched back in the chair. Then he asked if she thought that it was at least theoretically possible that Christ could be the only way to God. 
she allowed for the possibility. He then asked if she thought it was possible that a person could come to the belief that Jesus was God without being narrow-minded or even bigoted. Though she did not believe in the deity of Christ, she recognised that a person could believe without being bigoted. Then he explained to her that the reason he believed that Christ was the only way to God is because Christ himself taught that in John chapter 14, verse 6. It's encouraging to know that we can believe that Jesus is the only way to God without being arrogant, intolerant and narrow-minded. Now, I know some arrogant cops out there, but they're not all arrogant. There may be some arrogant Christians out there, but they're not all arrogant. You don't have to be. Also, it's one thing to claim that Jesus is the only way because that's the path that we, some of us, have chosen to follow. And we say, uh, Jesus is the only way because that's the one I go for. It's like Barry for Carlton. You should. <laughs> that, that, that right there, that right there is, is, is supreme arrogance. Not the Carlton part, but the... the, 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 the <laughs> this is not to make my experience supreme. But it's simply that I've chosen to submit and surrender my life because it happened. Can I say I come, Aussie, meat, pies and peas, no church, never prayed for my food. Mum, dad, never went nothing. No faith at all. Never heard a prayer. And and another time, if we had more time, I could tell you how... I remember my first encounter with the church. I remember getting out of the car, looking at stars, and I was really pondering, this Christianity stuff serious? You're an Aussie. You're a young man, 15 years of age. Are you really going to go this way? Are you going to start going to church as often as they're encouraging you, reading this book and wearing slacks? Are you really going to go this way, Ray? Are you going to go this way? Because if you're going to change your mind, now's a really good opportunity to, to... you know, go the other way. You could, you could be polite and just say to them, sorry, thanks for inviting me. I'm not coming back. And I remember he dropped me off, this Christian guy in this old Tirana. And I'm looking at the stars and this is going through my mind. And, and I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't, it wasn't audible. It was just in my heart. And it was like this. I'm either Lord of all or I ain't Lord at all. You choose. And I was gripped. It was either true or it wasn't. It wasn't about what I felt like. It didn't matter what, what, what I preferred. It's either the truth or it's not. I'm still here. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So it's one thing to claim that Jesus is the only way because I've chosen. That's not good enough. 
but to choose that he's the only way because of the objective standards such as his virgin birth, his exclusive claims that we have pointed to, his sinless life, his miraculous miracles, his uh, fulfilled prophecies, his substitutionary atonement, uh, his death on the cross, and then supremely his resurrection, physical resurrection from the dead. When you look at all of these claims and how they're verified in history, my friend, it is a credible claim. Let's keep moving. I have other stories that would ignite and stir our faith, but for the sake of time, I move on. One story I could read, should read, Lee Strobel, for another time. It's a logical claim to believe in Jesus. See, in Australia, we have many people from all walks of life. Our country has been very open for such a long time, so we have every racial, um, ethnic, and social backgrounds have come to our nation. Politically, we've had a very... uh, open system as well, uh, where uh, the peace in our nation is held together by what we call uh, a religious tolerance, and that is, in government, in the body, there is not going to be uh, one you know, particular, particular religion that's going to have great expression, as it were, in politics. This is a great thing. It enables us to freely praise and worship God today, but the problem with that is religious tolerance or this equal tolerance doesn't mean equal truth. So when one makes the claims of exclusivity, often people think you must be narrow-minded. Maybe it just is true. Imagine I met you for the first time and after the service you thought, gee, that preacher, he he did all right. He's not bad for a a part-timer. And you said, oh, he, what, was he, what was that guy's name? Ray, Ray Gunton, Gunton bloke, that Gunton fella. And then tomorrow you see me down at Gloria Jeans and High Street Berwick in a police uniform. And you, and you, look, at, you look at me, I'm with some other coppers, you think, oh, gee, is he a copper too? And as I walk past, you see my name badge and it says Larry Grimshaw. And, and the bloke standing next to me is also in a uniform. He says, hey, Larry, let's go, mate. We've got to go. And you're, you're now puzzled and confused. Is that Ray or Larry? And you go, mate, I, I, uh, just before you go, I thought your name was Ray. Yeah, it is, mate. Talk to you later. Go off. Later that evening, you decide to take your wife out to one of the most splendid restaurants in our neighbourhood. Um, is it Giorgio's? Berwick? Uh, just uh, Beaconsfield, rather, um, steef- seafood and steak, if you don't mind. <laughs> you're going to Giorgio's, bit of a plug for George. And as you're at Giorgio's, sure enough, you go in and haphazardly, I happen to be sitting there waiting for a table. And, and just as you go in, we have that small ch- chat. You're, you go straight back to the police uniform and the, and the church and the two names and you're a little bit perplexed and confused by that. And just as you're about to have the courage, because we have kind of sort of just met, you're about to ask me about what's the story with two names. A woman, the, the, the waitress, comes forward and she says, Larry, good to see you. Uh, looking at me, Larry, come to your seat, please. She calls me Larry Smith and we go and find our seat. Now I've got three names. (laughs) You probably look at that and go, there's something really wrong. 
with this guy's life picture, something shady, something shifty, something very awkward and weird's going on. And you'd be right. Yet we accept such ambiguity as it relates to claims about eternity and God. Can I tell you, there's no confusion. It is very clear cut. Jesus is the only way. And I like that it's specific. What about you? You ever go to a supermarket or a teller and you buy pizza or whatever it is and someone gives you your change and your change is wrong? You give them a 50 and they, you know, you think it costs $9 and they give you a dollar back. Isn't it amazing? We all become incredible mathematicians right there. <laughs> or do you just go, oh, maybe she just does maths differently than I do? <laughs> maybe their way of equating just is the way they do it. No, you become a very astute mathematician. What about when you fly on an aeroplane? How do you feel about that? You're flying on a huge piece of metal that's been built by the lowest bidder. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about you, but I want to know that, that the mechanic checks were done absolutely correctly, without any tolerance whatsoever. I I don't want the mechanic to look at the plane and say, well, it looks like the engines are okay. In fact, that one's malfunctioning, but you know what? We should get at least one more run out of her. (laughs) It's not good enough. What about when you go to a doctor? Today, I just thought we'd brighten things up. Rather than give you those white ones, we're going to give you some pink ones and some blue ones. (laughs) Yeah, just take a handful of those and a handful of those. You'll be right. Off you go. No way. I had cancer, what they thought was a cancer cut out of my leg a few years ago, and they absolutely butchered my calf. I didn't care. Be alive or have a chunk ripped out of your calf, what do you prefer? I'm so glad that the doctor said, well, this might do some things for your modelling future, Mr Gunton. (laughs) Do you mind? I mean, we can just put a Band-Aid over that if you like. I said, you be intolerant. If there's any trace of malignant cancer, you, you just cut her off under the knee. I don't do what you need to do. We love intolerance. Let's wrap it up, shall we? Yes, please. <laughs> it's a logical claim. It's a credible claim. It's an exclusive claim. But closing very quickly, it is a generous claim that Jesus is the truth. Generous. If Christians are right in claiming that Jesus is the only way, we're still left with a problem that it appears to be narrow-minded, that God would provide only one way of redemption. But I would say this, God isn't narrow in providing one way for and of redemption for us because of this. By keeping it one way, he makes it so simple, none of us can be confused or miss it. It's in his love that he's made it one way. Not a hundred ways. You might, is it this? Is it that? Could it be this? Could it be that? It's simply one way. Hallelujah. For God so loved the world, John 3.16, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life.
Hebrews 7.25, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. God is generous in providing to us any way at all. Here's the last story. Suppose that there is a God who is altogether holy and righteous. Suppose that God freely creates mankind and gives to mankind the gift of life. Suppose he sets his creation in an ideal, perfect setting and gives them the the freedom to participate in all the glories of creation and to enjoy all the everything in creation with freedom. Suppose, however, that God imposes one small restriction on them and he warns them if they violate that one restriction, they will die. And suppose that for no just cause, his ungrateful creation disobey him and suppose that when they rebel God redeems them rather than killing them suppose that the descendants of that first generation increase their disobedience and their hostility towards their creator to the point that the entire world becomes in rebellion to God and that every person simply did what was right in his own eyes. Suppose that God still deemed to redeem these people and as a gift, he pours his light his special gifts upon one nation so that through them the whole world would be blessed. Suppose that God delivers his people from poverty, from enslavement to a ruthless Egyptian pharaoh and suppose that this privileged nation, as soon as it's liberated, it rebels again and again and constantly, consistently violates his law. But God, still intent upon redemption, he sends prophets to plead with them that they would return to him. Suppose that those people then kill the prophets and mock their message. Suppose the people then begin to worship idols of stone and things fashioned by their own hands. Suppose that these people invite religions that that are contrary to the truth. Rather than worship the real God, they worship creatures and creation rather than the creator. And suppose that in an ultimate act of redemption, God himself becomes a human. In the person of his son, But this son was rejected, slandered, mocked, tortured, and then murdered. And yet God accepted the murder of his own son as punishment for the sins of the very people who murdered him. 
And God offers to his son's murderers pardon, complete forgiveness, peace that comes from a cleansing of all shame and guilt and eternal life. Suppose God gives these people as a free gift the promise of a future life that would be without pain, without sickness, without death and without tears. And God says, the only thing that I ask of my creation, of my people, is this, that you honour my son and that you serve him alone. Suppose God did all of that. Would it be fair? Would it be right for us to say, God, that's not fair. You haven't done enough. If man has, in fact, committed cosmic treason against God, what reason could we possibly have that God should provide any way for redemption. In light of our rebellion against God, the issue isn't that there is only one way. It's a wonder that there is any way at all. Close with the songs of, I think Chris Tomlin wrote it. It's called You Are My King. I'm forgiven. Because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. And you were condemned. I'm alive and well and your spirit lives within me. Because you died and rose again. Amazing love, how can it be? That you, my king, would die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. And it's my joy to honour you. Amen. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Amen. God bless you, church. Let's bow our heads and pray. Musicians can come up. Hallelujah. William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, he said the chief danger that confronts the church in the 21st century, it'll be a religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. Church, it's no time to play games. Stop being a wishy-washy believer. We need to rise up. People are happy for us to have our own little small Jesus. But I'll tell you, he's not small, he's large. And I think sometimes we walk around, we say, I'm just being humble. I don't think we're being humble, I think we're being afraid. May God break a spirit of fear that would come over our lives.
May we be bold to proclaim in love, not with a clenched fist, but with a broken heart, the love of God to our world that so desperately needs to have the bread, to have the vine, to have the life, to have the light, to have the way, to have the truth, to have the life. Heavenly Father, help us wherever we're at, every person, visitor, young Christian man or woman, second generation, church kids, or committed follower. Those of us that are letting our hearts be troubled by the things of this world, may we be gripped afresh by these eternal truths that are rock solid. Bless, encourage, and stir our affections, Lord, towards you. I pray your grace upon us all, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.